you ever invest in like the clear pre-check? If I flew enough. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, if I was one of those people that like flew for work, like I worked with some people, man, and they just like take flights like, you know, fucked like at least once a month, like probably mm-hmm. more like twice a month. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. shit like that. I don't know how the fuck you could not be how clear like you have to deal with that every single time i don't think it's super expensive if you're gonna fly more than a couple times a year i think it's like 175 or it seems so worth it 200 bucks i mean have you ever flown when you had the tsa pre-check i've had in my whole life i think i've had pre-check once i don't and i can't remember why it's it's randomized i think then that's what it was based on like the demographics of the passengers yeah because i know i had it my parents they had to go through the regular Oh, you just got it randomly? Yeah, I mean, I think at least what I was always mm-hmm. told was that basically they look at the flight or whoever. Maybe it's just random seats. I'm not sure. But, you know, this random 40-year-old male is low risk. So here's... I guess he, that did happen. He's TSA pre-check. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that's what was happening. I thought they were just like being nice to me or something because they did. They were like, no, you go that way. And there was like nobody in line. And I just like walked right through. That makes sense. Looking back on it, that was just TSA pre-check. Like, um, yeah, but yeah, fuck Air Force. Episode twenty nine. Episode twenty nine. Good Fridays. How you guys doing? I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. Doing well. Let's we got Jack it. here with us. Yes, sir. Appreciate y'all having me out. Thanks for coming on, man. We're, we've been on like a fucking roll with guests Dude, lately, man. I know. People I'm aren't going to know how to act when it goes back to just being us. We got like four or five weeks in a row now. This is the. F- this is the third week. Sydney, Jacob, Jack, Ben, Ben. So this wow, is, yeah. <laughs> Fourth week. Fourth week. This is yeah. yeah. It's kind of nuts. I don't know how people are liking it, but I like cool. it though. So that's cool. Yeah, I enjoy it as well. Um, you know what else is going on today? On Friday. Cinco, Cinco de, de Mayo. Cinco de Mayo. Yes. You know? Do you guys partake in Cinco de Mayo? Uh this year I will. Yeah. Yeah. Like I uh, said, we're going to Delaware. Um, and one of my favorite restaurants, period, is a Mexican restaurant up there that we like to go to, oh, nice. and we're getting in Friday, so I'm like, Perfect. gotta go. You gotta go. <laughs> gotta go. You might have to book reservations. That's true. Well, the good news is it is like, although it's May now, so it's warming up fast, because it's like still kind of the off season, mm-hmm. so oh, that okay. helps, because it's like right in the beach town. It's like right by Ocean City, Um, but that's a good point. Probably should look into that. I don't know if it's true, but I always heard that we make a bigger deal out of Cinco de Mayo than anywhere else. We as in the United States. We as in the United States. It feels like a very, um, I don't know how to say this, American holiday. (laughs) It's definitely become Americanized. Yeah. Um, Do you guys know much about Cinco de Mayo? No. I didn't know anything about it. And then I did a little research today. I was excited to hear what you stirred up. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so I, it all goes back to May 5th, 1862, right? You've got this outnumbered um, Mexican army under the leadership of General Ignacio Zaragoza. Pardon me for the mispronunciation. But um, they defeated the French forces in the Battle of Puebla. And from what I gathered from this, it was sort of like the, the David and Goliath type story. Small outnumbered army was able to... Outdo the that's where it comes from yeah that was that was the or or that is what Cinco de Mayo is and then throughout the years it's sort of been Mexico I believe they recognize it as a a holiday but it's not like their 
it's not their Independence Day or anything. Right. Um, but it actually, well, when do you think it became more of like an American holiday? Uh, I don't know. Um, I just feel like that's one of those things like we're going to grab on. And this isn't like a ah oh, fuck America shit. It's like this is kind of cool. We're going like, to grab onto anything we can and just like drink. Like that's like a thing that we do here. Yeah, I think so, it's just which is cool. Eat Mexican food. Yeah. And drink some Modelo and Corona. But I mean, it's still a positive thing because I think it is like a, in some way, it's like a celebration of the culture, right? So, I mean, I guess it can, that's a fine line because you can get into like appropriation of the culture, but like the idea of it is celebration, I think. So that's a good thing. That's how I feel about it. I mean, I would hope that while people are enjoying their food, they at least take a second to think about. At least question you know why why are we celebrating? And yeah, I'm glad you did that because I probably would not have done that. But now yeah. I can uh, I can spit that out at the bar when I'm fucked up at <laughs> Delaware. You can spit this out too. In the 70s and 80s, that's when it became like popular in the states. And you know why? Hmm. Because all these beer distribution companies started marketing for it. Uh, there it is. You know why they were marketing for it? <laughs> to get more money. Because of the nation's growing population of Latino and Spanish speaking community so they see like more of these people in the country and then they're like oh we gotta advertise where's Modelo brewed that I don't question I don't have off the top of my head don't have it either where do you think it's brewed I'm going Milwaukee Milwaukee. (laughs) actually (laughs) now Modelo is like a its own company I think the headquarters is still in Mexico City the breweries producing Modelo beer are all located in the country in Mexico or in the United States? Uh, Isn't Corona a Modelo beer? Its export brands include Corona, Modelo, and Pacifico. I did not know Pacifico. No, it's only brewed in it's only brewed in Mexico. Okay. All right. Well, it's a little more authentic. I'm liking it. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I'm not a huge Modelo guy. Really? I like a Corona, but Pacifico too. I, I like Pacifico, but um, I don't know. I feel like I'm just not... I guess I don't have the fighting spirit. Isn't that there? With a Modelo? Isn't that their commercials now? I I like Modelo. Well, there's... I don't know. I've always heard and kind of thought that Modelo Negro was better than just plain Modelo. I didn't really have a cabinet race until a roommate from college birthday, and he decides he wants a half keg of Modelo. I've never heard of that. And <laughs> first off, what would possess someone to want that much of Modelo? And second off, it re- I, I will, if I never have one the rest of my life, I, I won't be any worse off. I mean, the taste was absolutely ruined for me. It uh, did yeah, nothing for me. That's over. It was the regular Modelo or the Modelo Negro? Just regular. He got oh. a half a keg of regular Modelo and a bottle of lime squirt juice. lime juice. Let's go. And he, he got some tahini or whatever it is to try and like rim the glass. Oh, it was yeah. so terrible. Uh, it's probably the most frothy keg I've ever seen in my life as well, but also the beer was just not good. That's a shame. I'll have a Modelo at the at the Mexican spot. Or maybe I'll have one on Friday. So we start thinking. What about Dos Equis? Dos Equis I've never, I've never gotten into. I don't know if I've ever. I've probably had, I've one, had before. one before. I miss the most interesting man commercial. It'll make a commercial. Yeah, that like guy was pretty cool. Are you a fan of those? The commercial? Yeah. I like when he's petting that mountain lion. <laughs> <laughs> I always thought that was cool. <laughs> but no, Dosaki's a good beer. I think it's. 
I think if I'm ordering a beer at a Mexican restaurant, that's probably what I'm going with. Put a little lime in there, give you a little pint. I'm like obsessed with tequila. Mm. Um, not addicted, just obsessed. <laughs> and uh, but so I, I can't even get a beer when I go to a Mexican restaurant. I'm either going water or margarita. What tequila is the best? Because I don't like it, so maybe I'm just doing something wrong. Um, you know, I shouldn't have said I'm obsessed because like there's people that get into it the way people get into whiskey and stuff, and I'm not that. But like, obviously, Patron is like sick as fuck, but that's really expensive. But like reasonably priced, I think eighteen hundred is really good. That's it's like higher end ish, but um, that's one of the few I think I could just like take shots of and not want to like punch a wall. But for me, it also has to be silver tequila. I don't really care for gold. Do you do the salt and the lime, or do you just go straight? Uh, the salt and the lime. Um, but the bigger deal is if it's like a nicer tequila. We like to I like to put it in a shaker with ice like a couple shots and then just like shake it till it's like super super cold and then just pour out the shots so there's like little ice chips in them that makes it put that makes it easier just because it's super cold but that's uh i feel like that's important if i have like really good tequila the one thing about i've never been a huge fan of tequila either and it's for me it's been the smell i just can't do the sm- it's just i don't know the smell or i can't say the aftertaste because i feel like most like hard liquor has like that aftertaste that mm-hmm. might hit you, but I don't know. The smell just is weird to me. But it's mandatory for me. I need a lime or salt. I don't need them both, but I need one of them if I'm if I'm shooting it. I think it's definitely necessary. But I like the lime wedge for any any shot of white liquor, just because it's like an instant chaser. Mm. I mean, I think that I would go so far as to say that most any light beer. In addition to, yes, to clear liquor goes better with a little lime in it. Yeah, oh. I thought you were gonna say light beer is a chaser. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I said yes. But no, you're right. <laughs> a lime will do wonders for an alcoholic beverage. I feel like any light beer you think. I wouldn't say any. I, I've never had like a, a Miller or a Natty or anything like that with a lime. But I mean, Bud Light lime had to start with somebody who put lime in a Bud Light. There's nothing wrong with Bud Light lime. That's true. Land Shark is killer with a lime in it. Oh, yeah. I love Land Shark. Corona. Liney Kugels is good. Summer Shandy. It's a citrusy beer. I mean, the Summer Shandies are it's fire. Good stuff. Yeah, I've yeah. I've never had a. Well, I think I've had Coors Light with a lime before. It was good. And that was different. Yeah, it was good. Respect. Yeah, I mean, I imagine that any beer, like, it's not going to make it like, like fuck it up if it's just like a light, easy drinking beer. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's not going to like ruin it to put a lime in it. I feel like most light beer does taste the same. Most light beers, I think. I think you're onto something there. In my well, opinion, yeah. I w- I've heard. I don't know if it's true but that the, the have you heard the thing about the Keystone and the Coors? Yeah, They're just switching the labels. You ever the done a blind beer? taste test? I've never done a blind taste test. Me neither. It's not a whole lot different. I've never been on the receiving end of one, but we did it to some friends, and they never picked them right. Really? I mean, it's. I believe it looked identical in a glass. I mean, there's not too much difference. Oh uh, man, they. they Sucker for those fucking blue mountains on a Coors Light. Oh yeah, they got me. What about the Coors Banquet? The real, the real deal. What? Don't talk to me about. I (laughs) I got here. All right, let's go. I used to have a. This is like my prime uh, douchebag move, but I used to have a Coors Banquet flag. Um, that was like the first beer I ever had. Um, First beer I ever had and liked. 
because like I had drinking like bush light at a party and was like fucking pissed off about <laughs> it. But um, but yeah, Coors Banquet. I've been um, it was a beer of choice for me for a lot of years. In preference to Coors Light. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're 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 different. They are they're for a very sure. different beer. And but I just love. I mean, again, like the fucking little stubby bottles, like. Oh, that was yeah. like a move. You have those, be like, hey, man, you want a beer? And you just give them one of those. Like, that's cool. So, yeah, I used to love Coors Banquet. I don't drink as much as I used to. Freshman and sophomore year for me were, were banquet years. Banquet years. And then after that, I just sort of, I, fe- I fell off of it. I guess when COVID happened, I stopped. I didn't, I don't know. Once everything got shut down, I did. I wasn't drinking as much. And then I just fell out of the, the banquet. I wish I could say the same. <laughs> You ranted up, <laughs> yeah, dude. When I oh my, when we moved home that first semester, whoo! First thing I did was go out and buy like a bottle, like a handle of gin, and oh, I just like fucked on a tonic water, and just drank gin and tonics just all the time. I've never been a, to- I'm not a, I haven't, I haven't had one gin drink before that I've liked. Really? And I hate tonic water. Okay, well then. <laughs> And those two, that probably isn't a good idea. No, I don't do tonic water either. I've never had gin or scotch, though. You've never had gin before? No. I've had scotch. I had two. I didn't like it. It was all right when I had it. But I've heard gin is supposed to be, like, kind of beneficial for your health. I mean, not, there's a lot of shit in there. Like, Not in the same sense as, like, exercise, but... <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> I've heard it's, like, one of the one of the cleaner liquors you could drink. This is usually there's a lot of botanicals in there, which can mm. serve some sort of purpose, I would think, as mm. opposed to just like vodka, which is botanicals just like plant tissue or yeah, like I don't know. I mean, like different like floral things and shit, uh. like different. I guess like berries and stuff. Okay, but yeah, I guess botanical is the right word. I don't know. I don't know either. Fire sounds like you knew. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the fuck that means. How how was COVID for you, Jack? Um, and school specifically, I guess. It was it was definitely different. I mean, I think the athletic aspect of it was probably the the weirder part. I mean, did you all just come straight home once they shut down? How did you all do it? Well, it was on spring break, right? And yeah. Then yep. I went back, and you did too, right? Yep. And we went back for a week, and just like part, like I literally just like partied with my. When I say party, I just mean like hung out with my like three friends um, and went on like a bender and then came home for the rest of the year. Yeah. And then came back senior year. It was, I mean, it was definitely different. Like it took some adjustment, but for the most part, I stayed in Winchester, but I mean, it's only an hour from home. This is kind of relative, but uh, I had a roommate that was also there for most of it. So. We, I mean, we just kind of tried to replicate a school day as best we could, doing the online thing, and then like what we were talking about earlier with kind of getting the weight room so we could keep up with the stuff for football and the packets that they were sending out. But uh, I would, I don't know, I would say the hardest thing was just trying to figure out how to do routine stuff. I, I remember when it first hit, and I kind of had not it wasn't all into meal prepping, but I would go and. You know, I would go buy five pounds of chicken or whatever and salad, and that was a pretty routine weekly thing. And I had to go to four different Martins to find one that still had chicken. Uh-huh. And, I mean, that was really low-hanging fruit in the grand scheme of things. And look back on, like, toilet paper. 
yeah. for instance, how hard it was to find something like that. Yeah. But I think just navigating the changes, I guess, was the hard part. But, I mean, all in all, it was, it was a good growing opportunity, I think. Yeah, I feel like no matter where you were, it was definitely – it was trying to learn how to have that new sense of normalcy for what was for almost two years, it seemed like, you know, because nobody had ever been through something like that. But, um, yeah, I, it was crazy, man. I mean, I just remember, like, it was, like, literally just, like, for me, I just, like, kind of took life off for a, at least that first semester. And then, like, over the summer, I feel like I kind of put myself back to being, like, a semi-normal person. But it was, like, um, it was tough, though, because I feel like we definitely, like, lost a lot of people to obviously, like, physically, but also just, like, lost a lot of people mentally that, like, never fully came back because it was like they became one of those people that's just like online like 24 7 mm-hmm. and reading everything and like listening to everything mm-hmm. um which i feel like is a impact like a lasting impact that maybe it's hard it's hard to measure that like how many people it affected how they just like think about everything just because of like the situation they were put in for a while definitely Definitely made us grateful for social interaction, too, though. I mean, think about a situation like this. I mean, it probably couldn't have happened. Right. And mm-hmm. you think of, like, when it first started, we wouldn't even have known what it would have done. Yeah. That's how ignorant we were to the whole situation. And then, you know, here we are kind of having been exposed back to the regular world. And I wouldn't say that we're taking it for granted necessarily, but, um, you know, this, this would be considered a normal thing to do. But... The, being able to get back together in the social interactions definitely made me more thankful for that. So you were playing football at Shenandoah? Yeah. How was that? It was a busy time. Yeah? Uh, it was tough. It was good. Um, yeah, I mean, I would say that if I was 18 years old again, I, would, I think I would make the same decision. Um, my body sometimes talks back to me a little bit, but for the most part, uh, I was... All in all, good. You know, met some really good people and grew a lot and had some opportunities that I probably wouldn't have had if I hadn't done it. Uh, but as far as building character and things like that, I'm a better person for having done it. So, but in times like COVID, it was definitely nice to have some teammates and that sort of thing. Yeah. Kind of have something to work towards. What position do you play? I uh, came in, I was recruited as a linebacker and then played linebacker for year and a half and then did some kicking as well and then going into spring of sophomore year uh switched over to tight end and spring ball and then started at tight end the last two years and then i guess 2021 was essentially the covid year because we played fall of was it fall of 19 would have been junior year yeah and we played the full season then. And then fall of 20 would have been senior year. That got canceled. And then they bumped to a five-game season spring of 21. So I guess only ended up playing 15 games, but two seasons. Uh, but, yeah, I played tight end, enjoyed that. It was good. Never had yeah. done it before, so kind of learned on the fly. But it was a good combination of some things that I felt like. I was decent at and also 
some areas I needed to grow to, and it, it just sort of, I don't know, kind of clicked once I got into it. Did you catch any touchdowns? I did. How did go. That, had to feel, that had to feel so fucking good, dude. Yeah, it was the the first one. Actually, I broke my foot junior year, missed four games, come back the very next game, and the second play from scrimmage, I caught a pass. And I kind of felt, I don't know, I kind of felt bad because it was like, I missed, I just missed a month, and then <laughs> I'm already back and it happened. But our scheme was not really set up, uh, and the school's offense historically wasn't really set up to have a pass-catching tight end, so it was sort of something that they kind of built around, which was I was thankful for. It gave me some good chances to do things like that, and then I had a couple against the team at the end of the year. Um, but, I mean, I I honestly – I like laying good blocks just as much as I like catching the ball. I thought that was fun. I mean, just being a team player, I think, was probably what I enjoyed more than anything. You sound like a tight end when you say that. That's cool, though. I mean, I feel like – it's kind of what like I have to say at this point. Like, that's <laughs> what they told us we had to think like. Oh, do a special team. I mean, everybody enjoys being successful, but um, you know, ultimately, just because you're successful, the team's not. Then, really, how successful are you? That means yeah, that's right. True. Yeah, I was gonna ask if that was how was that transition coming out of high school and because you were did you play you didn't play sports year round in high school. No, it was just I played football in the fall and I didn't even start playing football until sophomore year and then soccer in the spring and we all conned me into basketball one year in like eighth grade yeah and won the ship shout out that's right (laughs) that's right (laughs) but I never played again and uh I don't know if I regret it or not I would say probably not I mean it would have been fun but I didn't do it you went out on top man (laughs) and then yeah transition was definitely tough uh, I think as far as like cardiovascularly, I was probably better off than I would have thought playing soccer, mm. but strength and size and maturity, it was definitely not, not there. My football IQ was not there and it really became apparent, you know, the differences between the size of your high school and all that sort of thing. And also just exposure to people who had played in college. Um, but I think that the system was in place that the coaches kind of gave you the avenues to be successful if you chose to buy in. So ultimately at that point, it was just, is this something I want to do or not? And then if it was something you wanted to do, kind of follow their blueprint and you would be successful if you just put your head down and worked hard. So I think that's kind of what I adopted and it ended up working out for me. Um, But definitely a a huge eye-opener. And made me really realize, you know, how much a body can grow in a short period of time if you put the work in. Uh, you know, thinking at 18 years old, I was ready. And then playing against guys 24, 25, 26 that were fifth and six years that I don't even know why they were still there, but <laughs> wanted, wanted to keep playing football. Uh, definitely was a wake up. And that's aside from, like, the education and stuff too, right? Like, like um being able to balance. I was just wondering how that I've always heard being a student athlete is really tough regardless of like what your intended degree is just because it's such a time commitment. Yeah. I mean, I think it in a sense that it made you a better student. I mean, I don't know what like your experience was personally in high school playing sports either was, but I always felt like I was a better student when I was playing a sport just because I kind of knew I didn't have time 
So the time I did get, it was like, mm-hmm. okay, I have to do this. Whereas you have all this downtime, you know, maybe you get distracted goofing off or, or whatever. You're not allocating your time properly, but pretty much I kind of knew that I would wake up and go to class and then I would have lift in there somewhere and then practice. And when I got home, homework was the option I had. I mean, I could maybe have an afternoon of fun a week or a morning of fun a week. And mm-hmm. that's just pretty much how the shoe fell on that. So the more free time you'd have, the more time you'd have to just fuck off and not get, not saying you particularly, but the way, the way it sounds like to me was because you had so much stuff coming at you, it was, it made it easier for you to balance it versus like if you had hours a day to just sort of hang around, you'd be more likely to get into something else versus schoolwork. Cause I know for me, that's probably the same way. When you all were in college and you would come home for summer break, would you ever get sick? Like a, you're home for a week and you get sick. Like feel sick or like actual no, like sick? physically sick, like you get a cold or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. When I'd come home from like for breaks and stuff, I feel like I'd be sick. I think it was a very similar thing. Like I, I remember, especially summer. Like you would come home and you'd be home for a day or two, and you'd get like a head cold or something. I feel like when you're in the moment, and your head down, and you're just working hard, your body is almost like in a rhythm, and it doesn't have a chance to to break out of that and mm. then you relax and all of a sudden you like pick up something i feel like it was the same way with school mm. you know it was go 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 all the time that was when i would be laser focused and then even in the off season it was the same thing in college during the season my grades didn't really slip in the off season but i found myself being more successful when i was playing and i didn't have my eyes on anything else it was almost blinders you know when practice is over game is over come home and, and do work it wasn't you know oh there's this party going on or oh there's this cool thing going on over here it was none of that it was just go home and and do schoolwork. so it's like programming yeah i mean for me i <laughs> i don't know man that's respectable i feel like i would not i'd be really bad at being a athlete one because i'm not athletic but two because like that time management like I feel like I'm just getting like a grip on time management now and I've been graduated for this long. But like in school, man, like I was like, I don't know. I definitely was not a good student when I was in school. I mean, like I got fine grades and obviously graduated and, you know, I never felt like I was in like trouble of not. But uh, I don't know. I did a fuck ton of nothing when I was in college, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like, especially the last couple of years, like whole lot of uh Probably too much free time, but again, I mean, I don't regret it. I don't miss, I miss it, you know, but uh, I definitely agree. Like the times when I'm super, super busy, I feel like even though I have less time to get other things done, I end up getting more other things done because like I know that there's not extra time. So I, I see what you mean. And, and I don't know that I would say it was necessarily a motivational force, but I think looking big picture, the assumption was made that not necessarily because you played football or anything else, but you know, you were you're just some stupid athlete. Whereas the coaches demanded of you that you sat in the front of your class. You ate by GPA when you traveled. So if you wanted food, <laughs> you better be smart. You'd get in the front of the line. And I think that was I guess some sort of a of a flame to it was bigger than yourself in the sense that 
you wanted to represent the school well and represent the team well and not just be, you know, somebody jerking off in the back that was, you know, doing poorly and, you know, show that you can do things on the field at a high level, but also do things in the classroom at a high level too and represent the program well. Yeah, I think that's super important and something that can get lost the bigger of a program it is. You know, because there's a lot of, like, if you're, if you're like a third stringer on Alabama, like, there's a lot of people in that room that have absolutely no, like, they know that they're going to the NFL. Like, they know that there's no, so I feel like that can be, as far as, like, the coaches being on you about that kind of stuff can definitely get lost as it gets to, like, big programs. Because, you know, um, and I'm sure they still put an emphasis on it, but it's like, I feel like the a, a smaller program, you know, like the chances of you going to the NFL are obviously low. So like, maybe there's like a little bit more of a push to like, hey, like, yeah, football is awesome, but take your classes and shit seriously because like you're gonna need that when you when this is over. No, absolutely. I mean, I think it was not that there's not extremely good athletes at the Division three level, but I think that the mentality was Pierre Garçon. No, you did Division three sports. But I think the mentality was I'm doing this because I want to do it and because I was afforded the opportunity to do it. But I got to make some of myself with my education because this isn't going to take me anywhere. Right. I might meet people and it might give me opportunities, but it's mm-hmm. not going to take me anywhere. Yeah, and, I, and yeah, obviously the athletes are still, I mean, it's still a higher level than I would ever be able to play anything. But mm-hmm. it's like, uh, yeah, it's not that there's not that thinking of like oh well i'm gonna make it to the league so whereas you get up to like big bigger programs you may be thinking that way even though like you're not and then like you could get end up being kind of screwed over when it's all said and done well and they i think that's a huge difference between you know beyond the athletic ability is i obviously did not play division one sports but there's an extent that they tell you what you can study because no longer is your studies are your studies more important than your athletic career. Right. You think Zion Williamson was going to class every day? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like at that point. But I guess my point is like the guys who are on the same team as him, there's probably like it's probably tough to be like, Well, fuck, he doesn't do anything and like I'm like here like grinding the same amount of practices and games and trips and everything, but like I actually have to do my schoolwork. Like I feel like that could get old fast. Carrying that that overall team GPA for the for the season. Yeah. <laughs> here's here's a bit of a, a hot take for that is obviously Duke is a really really good school. How do those guys get into school? Like, do you think that their GPAs out of high school are really that good? Yeah. Or they're just and also, I mean. And I don't know if it, I don't think it should not be this way because of the way it's set up that they have to go to college to go to the NBA. But it's like, it's probably the same deal. Like the high school teachers and shit are just kind of letting them go because it's like, okay, well, this dude is like bound to be in the NBA. So me failing him on this English paper, he didn't turn in. Like, why? You know, like you're just costing this kid millions of dollars. Like, um, and not, and I mean, a lot of those guys are super sharp dudes, you know, I'm sure. Like, I'm, it's not like they're stupid, but, um, yeah, I think it's kind of just like a thing. It's like the same deal. Like they're probably not doing any classwork in high school, but it's okay. Cause they, they're going to be in the league someday. So, but you know, 
at the and then that gets into the conversation like I said like is it silly for them to even have to go to college at all you know or just should they just be able to go right to the league it's it's a tough one I mean I think it's I don't want to say it's situational but if you're good enough you're good enough but the in a sense they're kind of I feel like there sort of does need to be a channel on it because if you're Kobe or LeBron obviously you're good enough but if you're you know John Moran in high school if you didn't go to Marquette would you have become as good as you were I mean are are you eliminating some people's opportunity to be successful further down the road by giving them the option to make that jump too soon yeah I feel like I mean if you're going to college instead of going straight to the league you're you're taking the long road for a reason one you might not have that much trust in your abilities at 18 to jump right. straight into playing against grown men. Um, even though, like you said, when you were making the transition into college football, you were playing against 25, 26-year-olds who were in extra year of eligibility or whatever. But I just think that, I don't know. When you're making that choice, and I know it's hard because you're 18, if you've got the chance to go to the NBA versus go to college, just for NBA specifically, that money is so, it's got to be so appealing. And if you yeah. think you have a real shot of getting there, unless you're going to end up at a university where you can make a ton of money on NIL. That's that's the kind of the wrench in the whole thing is now that, because that is true. And I mean, a lot of these guys, like, they come from nothing. And it's like, hey, man, you can go to school and take it like a joke or you can go make millions. And it's like, oh, I'm trying to take care of my family, man. Like, fuck school. Um, but I just feel like they should have that option, which they don't. They have to go to school for one, or I guess they they're allowed to play overseas, right? Well, I don't know if that rules has changed before, because I know when Lamelo did it, he went and played overseas. He didn't go to college, right? And then he was able to get drafted. But I had heard that they were doing away with the one and done rule. But the NIL helps though, because it's like yeah. if you do chose to go to college, and you could still profit. I think it definitely makes pursuing college very attractive. But I mean, they're also getting a free education. True. Yeah. So, I mean, I see it from not that I respect him any more or less, but like Tyreek Hill, he had like a three nine GPA. Justin Jefferson the same way. Like somebody who took that sort of thing mm-hmm. seriously and took sports seriously was a very gifted athlete. They're probably a, a more well rounded and you know better contributor to society than someone whose entire being is resting on their athletic ability. I mean it kind of forces them to go out and become, you know, something more than just that. And I think being a multidimensional person is a pretty useful thing for everybody. But NIL is a huge, a huge game changer when it comes to making that decision. And you can just sit there and rake in the money and not have to have the pressure to, to make it at a Mm -hmm. professional level. And being able to make it at, at the collegiate level where, I mean, your popularity is, is lower subject to you going pro, obviously, but if you're still able to make some good cheddar in college while you're, I don't know. Yeah, and um, I lost it. I lost my train of thought. <laughs> what would you do, though, if you were 19 years old and your net worth is 4 or $5 million? How is Livy done? 20? 21? Mm. I don't know. I, I'm... S- from my point, I would say, and it depends, like, how into 
the my degree of education that I'd want to do. Obviously, you got to have a plan for when that when your pro career ends, right? But if I don't know, I know it's going to be that much harder to go back to school after your career. So I would sort of, based on what I know now, I would try to get it out of the way first, and then go on. And if Plan A fails, and you don't end up going pro, or you blow out, you blow something out your senior year, and your stock plummets. At least you've got something as a backup. Whereas if if you go, if you choose to go to the league your first year out of high school or something, and that same thing happens, then what? Then you're 19 or 20 yeah. years old with a blown ACL. You've played 20 games and you've played 20 games in your career, and now people are starting to get nervous about you because you didn't have those three to four years of developing your body more and stuff like that. I mean, injury is a huge deal because that window for success is so narrow and can close so fast. I mean, that's why those guys are sitting out of the bowl games because they don't want to risk the injury. They just would rather pursue training, which I see all sides of that one too, but I think it is tough. And I, I think the one thing about the NIL that probably frustrates me the most is the leverage that it's being implemented in recruiting. You know, come here and we can offer you this deal or whatever. How is that really any different than any other recruiting scandal that's ever undone? At that point, you're just playing for money. So I don't, I don't know. That's why I like college sports in the first place. There was some passion behind it. But. Yeah, it is tough because I mean a lot of it isn't even nil. It's like marketed that way, but it's just these fucking donors build a fake company and just give yeah. them millions of dollars to you know whatever. Um, which is, you know, it's like a really, it's a slippery slope. Because, like, I think it's cool when the fucking Virginia Tech, like, offensive line does the fucking car commercial for the local dealership and shit. Like, that's cool. And, like, I mean, I definitely think they should be able to get paid for what they're doing. But it is, it's such a slippery slope with the these big-time markets. Just, they have so much money. And it's like, they're just going to throw it around to get the best players. This is kind of jumping back a bit, but another, you know, maybe an attractiveness to doing the college thing is I had a wide receivers coach when I was in college, and he was a Hall of Fame linebacker at Tech, played with Michael Vick, mm. and played the NFL for, I don't know, six or seven years, played for the Packers and somebody else, but um, I think he picked off Peyton Manning. He always used to tell us that. I thought that was pretty sick. That's legendary. But we were so. talking to him about his kind of education thing and he had become a PE teacher super nice guy and he was literally in Blacksburg all the time I mean, that all he did was in Blacksburg when he graduated he didn't go back until he got inducted into the Hall of Fame it just <laughs> wasn't somewhere that he wanted to go back to and I think he said when he was finally done he had like 184 like 190 credits because he was there all summer long he just kept what were you going to do just keep taking classes while you're there just take classes so he could be, you know, a million different things, had all these random classes that he had taken. So in that sense, it is kind of cool. You know, you get your education paid for, you're there, you're growing as a athlete. Think of all the different things that you could pursue if that was you know, something that interested you and you did enjoy being a student. That's like Justin Mutz. He has like, what, three degrees He's or four degrees? He's got three masters. Yeah, three masters. Three I mean, masters. That's the, that's the same shit, you know, just stuck around and did classwork all yeah. the fucking time. And everybody loves you on campus. Yeah, he's the man. So, shout out Justin Mutz. Shout out. But, 
yeah, I mean that that is cool, you know, like stuff like that, like really taking it full advantage of the fact that you're getting a free education and utilizing that. But, you know, again, it's hard when you're hundred percent focused on the league. Some people, you know, not everybody, but that's hard when you're 19 years old and you can start making more money than you have ever seen in your life, you know, or like more money than your entire family has ever seen in your life. Like it's hard to not think about anything but that, especially at that age. So what's life been like since, uh, since you wrapped up undergrad? Um, it's been definitely different. Um, I think I was kind of, I don't know if linear is the right word, but kind of felt like things were sort of going at a steady pace. And then, uh, just trying to figure out, I guess, kind of what the next step was going to be. You know, I think I knew, but wasn't entirely sold on it and had some growing pains in that, um, but ended up, you know, entering the workplace for a while before you know, kind of fully deciding on where and what I wanted to do for school. But I think it's it's been really good for me as a person. I think it kind of forced me to slow down a little bit and look in the mirror and try and be a better friend and a better person and all of those things. And it's also given me some time to reconnect with family and all those things that life's probably not going to allow in the next couple of years. Um, so it's, yeah, it's been good, but how about you all? It's been, I mean, it's been cool for me. Um, school is fun, but I don't know. I was sort of ready to, to get out and start being an adult. Um, we're able to buy a house maybe nine months ago now. Just got engaged recently. Job's cool. I like what I do. Um, I don't know. It's boring, but it's cool. I mean, I'm I'm back back home where I sort of grew up, which I like. I I'd like to try to get a little more involved in like the community aspect. So that's one thing I'm trying to make more of an effort to do now. But yeah, uh, for me, it's like, and I I mean, it's definitely settled in at this point. But like, at least at first, I was always kind of waiting for this moment where like things would just kind of snap, and I would feel like I'm in a different phase of my life but like I feel like that's just not how life works at least for me like um everything's good like you know I'm not complaining like I definitely am happy with the way things are going but it is just like this weird feeling where it's like the time keeps passing but like I don't feel that much different or older and then every once in a while I kind of like look back and like realize like that I'm like growing up and like but then at the same time like I don't think of it like, oh, well, I'm not accomplishing anything. Like, I'm staying still. Like, I think I am growing, but it's like, I don't feel like I've been out of college for what it, what it has it been two years now. And, like, I forgot how old I was the other day. You know, like, shit like that has just been, like, weird. Like, um, I don't know. That sounded, like, a little bit dark, but uh, life has been good. So, um finding like a good direction and path in life has been like a pretty cool challenge. I feel like, you know, it's like kind of a puzzle because you don't know exactly what you want to do. At least I don't, you know, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I I'm happy though. Do you all ever get the notion that it's kind of like, it's kind of like being on a treadmill. Like every day you are working very hard, but 
you don't necessarily go all that far or accomplish <laughs> all that much. <laughs> yeah, definitely some of that. But that's why I think sometimes it's important to like stop and look around and be like, look what I have right now, you know, because it's very easy to be like, compare yourself one to other people and it's super easy to just like start getting in your own head and being like oh my god like i've literally been doing absolutely nothing for the past two (laughs) years like what the fuck but like if you really stop and look around and think about friendships and relationships and just your life yourself in general like how much you've grown i feel like that's a good way to kind of put yourself back on track to not feeling shitty about maybe in some senses, your life is a little stagnant, even though you're running on the treadmill every day. Well, I think it's a, you know, just a huge developmental period as far as kind of coming into your own adulthood and what you want and what you want to establish in your life. And at least for me, I think something that has been really beneficial, kind of like you mentioned about the community thing, it's been a little odd being back in Rappahannock, but not being here permanently. I mean, it's it's home. It's always going to be home. You know, I love it here. I love the people. But, you know, I also have to go in a month or two, so how much am I going to really be able to put in? It's not going to be, you know, a permanent situation. But I, I've found a lot of personal satisfaction, but also just growth and have met a lot of really good people through doing little community involvement things. You know, I remember growing up here and we would go to school with people and, you know, hear about people who worked in the rescue squad and I knew about it, but I didn't think anything of it. And then I go down and was living in Southeast Virginia for a while and was doing that while I was working at the hospital. And, you know, such a good opportunity to go out and just meet people in the community, not even just do good things for them, but to just, you know, go out and meet a bunch of different people. And maybe that's folding tables at bingo night or whatever. Here's something simple. It's kind of cool to, you know, get out there and maybe meet the, I don't want to say older, but I feel like the older are the more involved members of a community mm-hmm. um, and kind of dip your toes in that and get some, kind of gives back what you put into it. Um, so you mentioned you're, you're packing up and going to school. Where you, what are you doing and where are you headed? Uh, I'll be going to VCOM, which is the osteopathic medical school there in Blacksburg in July. Oh, so let's go. Nice. Doing uh, human medicine, kind of breaking away. Somehow my sister and I ended up doing human medicine. Family's a lot of farmers and teachers. Dad's a vet, and somehow we ended up dealing with people. But I think it's kind of the sense of community thing. I just like working with other people and helping people. I mean, yeah, I love animals, awesome. but they don't talk back to you. <laughs> It's kind of it's kind of simple, but that was sort of my reason. Like it would be really cool, but I I like hearing what people are about, right. and what's going on, also. Yeah, that's dope, man. And when do you leave? Pretty soon. It'll be like essentially the first of July. Okay. So, so how long is there. that program? It's four years. Damn. And then you have to do a residency after that, depending right. on what you want to specialize in. Right. Um, but two years of school essentially, and then two years rotating. But that's pretty much standard for any school. It's not exclusive to them. Oh, so two year program at the school, and then, and then you're out of there. Yeah, I mean it's a, it's a it's a four year program affiliated with the school, but it's essentially two years in the classroom uh, and in the okay. labs, and then the last two years 
you're rotating around different hospitals doing not entirely specialties, but different specialties. Getting that experience. Yeah, maybe family med, ortho, neuro, whatever you're doing. Getting exposed to different things so you can ultimately decide what you want to do, but be a little more comprehensive healthcare provider, I guess. Awesome. Well, you'll be in Blacksburg, too. That's dope. I know. I'm yeah. hoping the boys will come man, come I'll on down, down and check it out. I'll <laughs> be down there. Yeah, I'll be down there. I know we're we're coming to a couple games this season, but um, I was gonna ask ask you, Jack, what was it? Because I I was over at your place a couple weeks ago celebrating your birthday, and I felt like it was the first time I was over there where we were like riding around the farm and stuff. And I just I don't know. I feel like that's gotta be such a different life growing up on a farm versus like just growing up in a regular house with yard and stuff i was just wondering like how that was growing up on a farm and i don't know i mean this is a this is a quick and dirty poor answer but essentially i don't know any different so like i can't Uh, necessarily attest to yeah like this is what it would be like but i think that in kind of not even as much around here because i feel like we did have a lot of classmates that you know, some were on a farm, but at least you were exposed to mm-hmm. kind of a rural area. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, going to school and and college and meeting people that, you know, grew up in inner city, Baltimore or whatever it was, I think I kind of realized not only how unique the opportunity I had was, but also kind of how I changed as a person um, because of that. But no, it's definitely cool. I mean, I think it more than anything just taught me a lot about hard work and being grateful and where your food comes from and all that sort of thing. Uh, but I think there's a big kind of overarching thing in the farming community that's just kind of helping your neighbor. And that's kind of how we do, you know, if something happens, you drop what you're doing and you go and work on it. And there's certainly always something to be done on a farm, but uh, I think I was, or I am, you know, really grateful to have had some space to, go out and try different things, whether that's learning how to shoot a gun or learning how to ride a dirt bike or any of those things. Uh, but learn how to take care of an animal, take yeah. care of yourself. I mean, all sorts of stuff, I yeah. guess. It was cool. That is cool. Where did you grow up, CJ? Culpepper. Culpepper. Okay. Yeah, so, okay. um, uh, you know, not too far, uh, but definitely no farm work on our, <laughs> on our uh, growing up, but yeah, I mean, I I like to shit on Culpepper just like as a joke. But we do, we do too. Yeah, <laughs> um, but you know, it was a cool place to grow up. Like, um, I I still know like a lot of really cool people from there. I mean, my girlfriend's from there, but you know what I mean. So it's like it is fun to make fun of, but because uh, now I live in Charlottesville, so we're like uppity now. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it's a cool area. I have no regrets of growing up there and I don't think it's a bad place to raise a family because it's like small town but there's still I mean I guess there wasn't things to do per se but like I never felt like I was like dying of boredom you know Um, I was definitely ready for a change by the time I left and I knew I didn't want to go back really like other than to see my family but that that's not the town that's just me wanting to branch out you know like um I felt that I had given like all that I wanted to give to that place. You know what I mean? As far as like living there. Um, not to say like 
it's a bad thing like to like what you guys were saying earlier about like getting more involved in this community like this place that kind of brought you up to kind of get involved and keep making it home um just for me that was just not what i wanted i guess i wanted to branch out and kind of take on a new place and make that because that that Culpeper will always feel like my parents place you know and then like places like charlottesville now and like blacksburg like that always felt like more like my thing that i'm doing my own thing so um but yeah shout out cold pepper shout out pinto thai it's best best thai restaurant in the east coast were you cold pepper or ev uh cc so i ran into this a lot in college people ask one where you're from and two where you went to high school right we're from rapana county and we went to rapana county high school well, there's only one high school rap here, right. so it's pretty simple. <laughs> I have many friends that went where there was an entire district in one county. What's what's up with the the rivalry between Evie and Culpeper? I mean, like high school rivalries are cool because it's like just the same as any other rivalry in in sports. You know, it's like it's cool to have someone that you see all the time, and then it's cool when they're close in proximity because you see the people at the grocery store. It like builds up this like. Uh, almost like patriotism you know because you're just like you know like this is we we're trying to like be the one around here um but it i don't know exactly how it happened but it just kind of kept escalating like they were the good ones at everything so we kind of just got like shot on all the time by them as far as like sports goes like that's where all the athletes came out of eastern view um but yeah i don't know High school rivalries are a little silly, but it gives the town like something to get fired up about, which I mean, as long as it doesn't get nasty, which it definitely did. And like, you know, like fucking parents would like get in fights with each other. And are you shit, which, yeah. I mean, it would get it would get heated, you wow, know, like I did not know that Um, a lot of people like parents getting thrown out. Like there was always fights on the field, like with the players, um, which like. We, I was part, not in it, but like I was like on the sideline for a game where it happened, and like it was cool, like, <laughs> like it was cool to see, like because it's just passion, man. As silly as it is now, because obviously, and specifically like you going on to play at like a higher competitive level, um, it means more, and just me and you just like living at a higher, <laughs> like more things mean more. But I don't know, man. Passion is cool in sports, and high school rivalries create that. So I feel like it's it's a pretty cool thing. I just I guess if I thought that was maybe I don't want to say an opportunity that we missed out on, but like I kind of in a sense thought it think it would be cool to have experienced it. And I just was curious what it was what it was actually like from your perspective. It was nasty. I mean, um yeah, a lot of fights. And just it's crazy. Fucking, you were one or the other, man. That's crazy, dude. Yeah. And I guess it's just because we didn't have that. That I I just think that's... I love it. Because, I, I mean, I had I had friends who went to, like, Falkir and Kettle Run, and I would hear about, like, their, their rivalry and stuff. And I remember when Eastern View first came up, it was, like, a newer school, and I remember... I, I wasn't even in the area, but I remember hearing about, like, oh, they're good at this, they're good at this, they're they're good at this. But I always thought it was just because it was a brand new school, so they had, like, better athletes. Better, better, and it, uh, it, would, it would drive people that didn't normally go, like, our middle school, like, Culver Middle School's gym was bigger than the high schools. And when we would play Eastern View, they'd play it in the middle school. 
And it would, I mean, it'd be like fucking packed. It would just be like wall to wall, which is like crazy for a fucking like two shitty high school basketball teams. Like, but then if we played anybody else, it was like empty. Regular. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's like just nobody ever showed up, including me. But, um, yeah. But yeah, sh- I guess shout out Culpepper and Eastern View for the rivalry because rivalries are fun. You ever play lacrosse, Jack? Like just throw the ball around with a stick every once in a while. Uh, a couple times. It just got yeah. CJ played. He played lacrosse yeah, that's in high the, school. That's what I played. You, you played in high school? Yeah. What, well, we what didn't position? have lacrosse. I I played goalie. I, I always just felt so disoriented trying to, like hand eye coordination. I'm I'm okay at, but your hand eye coordination on something on the end of a stick. To me, that I just couldn't ever figure it out. <laughs> you know, it's it was one of those things for me, like. The only reason I played it is because my neighbor, um, who was like my best friend, all still is one of my best friends, uh, shout out Patrick, um, he just started playing. And I would used to go to his house like every day. And once he started playing, I was like, well, I could either just sit here and watch him do this or like I could just like learn how to do it. So I just like started playing. And then, um, yeah, that's pretty much the only reason I did it just to, but it was cool. Like it, um, allowed me to get into be friends with people in like a group that is definitely people that I would have never spoken to otherwise. So I don't regret it. Is the tilt real? What do you mean? The helmet tilt. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. Cause it, you could see better. There was like actually like a real reason behind that. It wasn't just all <laughs> douchebag talk. I, th- I thought that you're supposed to tilt it down. It was supposed to make you look like you were better if you had to tilt it down so you couldn't see anything. You'd like break your neck. To yeah, I mean, there was like a, like a <laughs> level of like that's what also which I kind of liked about it is like there was this level of just like douchebagness to it that like <laughs> you kind of just had to own. You couldn't be like, no man, like like nobody who played the cross would say what you said about the blocking thing. Like when I asked you like. Was it sick to score touchdowns? Be like, was it sick to score goals? Be like, yeah, fuck yeah. Even though we lost, I scored six goals. It was sick. Like that, it was like a, and not saying people didn't give a shit about the team, but like just as a sport in general, it was just like kind of this, everybody just fucking loved the swag, loved the attention. And I wasn't really like that, but it was cool to be in that setting. Like I, I just thought it was cool. Did you embrace the, Oh yeah, dude! I was a fucking tool when I was in <laughs> high school. <laughs> I feel like it's kind of one of those things where I, I think you know, not not to talk about myself necessarily, but you know, people would come up after a game and they'd be like, "Man, I didn't even recognize you out there." Because I, I just I try to be you know kind of quiet to everybody, and then um, I feel like you know, kind of a switch hits when you you know you get on the field and you sort of just embrace whatever that mentality is and it's just kind of you know look looking for heads out there sort of in a sense yeah. <laughs> um but i mean i think you just kind of got to embrace it when you're in the moment yeah right. i mean it was cool you could do whatever you could fucking do whatever you wanted because you were i mean not whatever you wanted but like <laughs> it was a opportunity to kind of put a, a mask on i guess you put a helmet on you put the uniform on you'd be like well yeah. fuck like i don't have to act like the exact same human being i always am um yeah, my, like, all of that kind of died out in college. Like, when we first got to college, like, I was more of a shit talker when we were just playing, like, pickup basketball and stuff. And then, like, as I got older, it kind of just faded out to, like, I don't know, more of just kind of like a, 
I still love shit talking. Like I love when we would go and like I because you were a shit talker, and like yeah. I loved that. Like I thought that show was so cool when people would just like fucking like motherfuck each other on the court and shit. <laughs> but it will mess people up so bad. Like it will get in their heads <laughs> yeah. so bad, especially yeah. if you're on the receiving end of getting yeah. your ass kicked. Like yeah. it, it will, they will literally crumble. Yeah, yeah, dude. I mean, I I just thought it was like and like that's like it was mean, but it was so funny because it was like I feel like you did it. You were good at it because you wouldn't like necessarily like motherfuck them but you would just like say things to them that weren't like super rude but it was just enough that they would be like man fuck this fucking <laughs> yeah but i feel like you kind of slowed down on that too as we got older yeah even now even now when i play on sundays like if if some gets said um which it doesn't it's usually pretty calm but if it's like a foul or something like that and i know i didn't value i'll let you know that i didn't value you know but i'm usually if so i'm I don't know. I feel like in college I was more I would uh I'd be on the attacking end, you know, whereas now right. I'm more like on the defensive end sort of, but I'm also cool with just letting somebody talk to me and they can do their own thing. Uh, yeah. I think that it's one of those things where it's like you kind of get in at least for me, like I would sort of get in the moment, like maybe I'd have a good play or or kick somebody's ass and like I don't know I'm not a shit talker, but like something in me would like yeah. kind of light up, and I just want to chirp a little bit, yeah. kind of let them know. Yeah, exactly. But the, and again, like that's I guess going back to like the thing we we're talking about the rivalries, like that's okay. Like passion and fire should be in sports, it's like sportsmanship. I it shouldn't be like everything shouldn't be like oh hey great play man hey thanks dude like there should be a little bit of that like y- you don't like the other person you know it's like it's like we're trying to beat you not. And I'm not saying there should be like fights and you should like do dirty shit, but it's like, I don't know. I feel like the idea of like talking shit shouldn't be frowned upon because it's like, yeah, I'm competitive. Like when I, as like a fan and watching the game, I want the guys to be competitive, you know, like, so. Shout out Angel Reese. Yeah. Shout out Angel Reese. What did you think about the whole situation with Caitlin Clark? Oh yeah. I think that, the side of it that should have been told was the way they talked to each other about it. I mean, like their comments on it after the game. Yeah. None of it was accusatory. It was all the media making a big stink out of it. Yeah. yeah. And I think that the only, this, this could be a super hot take, but I feel like the only reason anybody ever said anything about her was because she was a woman about Angel Reese in the first place. They were just talking about like, you know, you shouldn't be, like you, you, know, you shouldn't talk shit. You shouldn't do that. That's like, not ladylike type. Yeah, who gives a shit? Yeah. I mean, she's a hell of an athlete. Yeah. Let her go be a hell of an athlete. What difference does it make? That's the, hey man, that's like, that's the kind of shit that gets a sport to be, to get up, you know? Yeah. Like, that's the kind of shit you want to see when you watch a, the championship game of a, you know, of a college tournament, men or women. Like, yeah. You want to see like two of the best players going at it, talking shit. Like, that's real sports shit and yeah. the rating the rating showed it too exactly. yeah from that game not from sports center the next morning talking about the stuff that they're making up but like but yeah i don't think that's a i mean i think that's there's truth to that like it would have definitely been less of a thing if it was like in the men's tournament like but which is fucked up but i thought it was badass so well yeah i mean you I mean, you can say what you want about the situation but the reality is, look how many people came out to watch the game. Like it was, yeah. it was the most popular women's college basketball game viewing ever. And I'm not saying it was necessarily because there was two shit talkers, but there was also just two really good basketball players and two yeah. really good basketball teams. Yeah, going back and forth. 
And I don't watch much college basketball at all. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever sat and watched a women's college basketball game on TV. And I watched, all right, Eastern Tech was in it, but I, yeah. I, I, I watched probably from the round of 32 on pretty religiously. Not every game, but yeah. once it got down to the 16, almost every game. Yeah, I mean, once you started seeing what Caitlin Clark was doing, it was like, you'd read about it and be like, fuck, like, that's must-see TV, dude. She's yeah. dropping 40-point triple-doubles like on the weekly. It was 11 o'clock at night. What yeah. am, like, what am I doing watching Iowa women's play basketball? <laughs> yeah, <it's laughs> like, like, I've got other things to do, but no, I was sitting there watching. That's right. What kind of music you listen to, Jack? I'm I'm a big country, <laughs> big country listener. I I do get down to some classic rock at the gym though. Um, I'm starting to explore my avenues into rap a little bit. Uh, my other my other roommate, well, let's see, shout out that's his girlfriend, is definitely kind of more of like a hip hop rap listener. And we made a pact that she would explore country if I explored rap. So I've I've made my efforts. I I'm, I'm on the fence. There's some. I'm <laughs> yeah. more of like a like a mid mid two thousands rap kind of guy. Okay. Um but definitely country. Where where do you stand? I I, I try to I mean I'm definitely like not a super hip-hop head um i try to expand i try to listen to any everything because i don't want to be left behind you know like i'm uh i definitely don't listen to country music though and i also make fun of it but again it's like i just like to make fun of stuff but um for me i just don't want to be someone who gets left behind and i don't want to be someone who's like in my late 30s early 40s being like they'll never make music like they did when I was a kid, you know? Like, I don't want to be trapped in that. Um, So I try to take a lot of precautions against that, but, yeah, I don't know. I just, I like trying to be open to everything. So, but I definitely don't listen to a ton of country. But classic rock, though, I mean, that's what I grew up on, so I listen to a lot of that. This is universal for any genre, but if you're seeking to, like, stay up to date with new music, how do you do it? Because for me, it's I, I kind of fall into a habit of repeating songs that I like. Oh, same. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying I'm like great at this. It's just <laughs> like a thing I would try to work on. It's but I but I also appreciate like a a new good song. Yeah. But I feel like it's always, you know, somebody puts it on their story and I'm like three months behind. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I didn't even know they came out with that. Like, but what, still though, I mean, that's still like, do you listen to? I just mean like artists in general. Like, you're not just like sitting like. There'll never be another Johnny Cash. You know what I'm saying? Like, which there, I'm not saying like he's not like a legend, influential, but like, don't be scared of like Zach Bryan, right? Like, yeah. I, like, I think that's a pretty good example because he's like a hot country artist right mm-hmm. now. Um, that just stuff like that, and like as far as finding new music, like, I love to go on a artist page on Spotify that I like, and then just go to like related artists and just like scroll through and pick one, listen to some songs. You know, you just have to weed out songs and not be afraid to listen to a lot of music you don't like. Because then, all of a sudden, one's going to click and be like, oh, shit. Or if it's like a song you love that you heard on a story or whatever, check out the album, you know? Listen to the whole album all the way through or listen to another album by that same artist because, like, 
if they wrote one song that's resonating with you, like chances are they probably wrote a few. So yeah, stuff like that. But I don't know. I just like, I'm definitely not saying you're doing this. I just like, like, I don't want to, it's, I don't like seeing people like not like jumping into a newer artist because they think that it's not going to be as good as a older, like classic. Mm -hmm. artist. Yeah. That's a good point. I, I think something that maybe I fall into more than that is, like I try to avoid the trend that makes sense. Mm -hmm. It's like I was actually kind of anti Zach Bryan for a long time. And everybody's like, oh, Zach Bryan, this, Zach Bryan, that. I'm like, this dude is just singing about random stuff. All oh, his songs sound the same. Mm -hmm. And then I, I think it was Sun to Me came out, which pretty recent song. I mean, that was like last August mm -hmm. and maybe last July. And I think I just kind of listened to the lyrics and then went back and listened to all the other songs that. I kind of like the rhythm, but was sort of dodging because everybody else is all over it. Yeah. And started listening to the lyrics. And, you know, here I am. He's one of my favorite artists. We're going to see him in a week. So. Oh, you're going yeah. to the concert too? Yeah. Nice. Nice. Are you going? No, no. But he was just, he was telling me about it. And he knows I'm going. Yeah. That's, that's my, that's right down the street from me. So. Yeah. I would say, I don't know. I know it's going over what CJ was saying about going to artist page and then finding similar artists through through that category i know it's for me personally it's such a good feeling finding new music organically by doing something like that versus having something tell me like when new music comes out that being said there are a few different instagram pages or twitter pages i'll follow where they'll every friday new music comes out so if it's like there's a rap page they'll put out like new hip-hop and rap albums and songs coming out or new artists that are coming out and then there's also a country page I follow and they do the same sort of thing. They'll do like new music Friday with all the new all the new um music coming out for that genre. Which I like because on Spotify playlists like New Music Friday, like the real mainstream, I feel like that's mostly it's mostly pop songs with like one rap song, one country song, one Yeah, and those those um algorithms are so weird that mm. it's like you could just be listening to artists who promote better than other artists. It's not necessarily like even like fresh finds country or fresh. Cause they do like genre yeah, yeah. ones, but it's like just, I'm not saying like those people are bad, but it's like, I still think you could be finding better from like maybe a third party, like a Twitter page or something that's a little bit less, I guess, corporate is the word. And then, right. um, or, yeah, putting the putting the work in and finding it yourself though is the is like the most rewarding. But nothing wrong with I use pages too and just different things. Group chats have people yeah. send it. I lean on people a lot. Are you all both Spotify guys? Yeah. Yes. What am I missing out on? What are you? Apple. Apple Music. But to to my defense, simply because it it just is more fluid on my media. On the technology that I have. Like. But you also yeah. have a Mac sitting right in front of you, and you use Spotify. So. This isn't a Mac, but Got him. I could have, I could have kept that going. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> I could have been like, yeah, uh, but no, I, it's um, I don't really know because it's like you were saying on growing up on a farm. Like I've never used Apple Music, so I really don't know. But I know from what I heard, I've heard is that Spotify kind of does a better job of suggesting new music for you. Like, as far, if you have an album playing, and then it'll just kind of take over and go on autopilot and do like suggestion, like almost like a radio station based on that album, which I'm sure Apple does too. But I've heard that that Spotify does a little bit better job of 
maybe showing you things that you're actually going to like as opposed to Apple. But again, I really don't know. So I've always been, I've been a Spotify user since like eighth grade, I'd say. And then like junior, senior year, I dabbled with Apple Music and Spotify at the same time. And this was in 2017, 2016, 2017. So I felt like Apple, I didn't like the playlisting on, on Apple. I felt like they're, I, and it was sort of the same thing with finding new music. I just felt like every playlist I had was just songs I was already listening to when I was shuffling my library. And then when I when I would go look on Spotify, they just had more choice. They had like a Discover Weekly playlist, which was full of music I had never heard before. And that was that was sort of enough to win me over. But then Apple's also nice because sometimes artists will do exclusives or like ex- drop an album a couple days early on Apple or they'll do an exclusive interview with somebody who only does interviews on Apple Music now. So, I, I mean, I think in 2023, there's pros and cons to both. But that damn Spotify rap at the end of every year, that makes me want to stay on Spotify. Kind of makes me jealous. Everybody Does has it? that, and I'm like, mm, I wonder what I listen to. Yeah, that, I, I mean, that's a Spotify. great service. And I think the idea, like, there's always going to be the interviews, right? Because, like, that, mm-hmm. but um, I feel like the idea of an artist putting something out not at the same time is, like, a thing that's trending downwards. Because that was kind of a big thing. The exclusives, yeah, release. and then like, oh, it's it's early on Apple Music, and then it's not. But like now, I feel like I haven't remembered the last time I've heard of that, and that could just be the world I'm in. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I would change over if I was you. Have you ever been stuck on the aux with Apple Music? Ooh, like I had the aux, and I only, and it was I was using my Apple Music. What do you mean? Like either it was your phone or somebody else's, and you were using Apple Music. Oh and yeah, you were on the aux. Oh, and had to like search songs up and stuff. Oh my gosh, that is like the biggest insufficiency of Apple Music. Because Spotify, you could you can queue up a pretty nice like yeah. continuous playlist, and if I'm not mistaken, you can move songs around too. Yep. Yeah. So, like move them up to next or you know two from next. Yeah. yeah. Apple Music, like it is so, so so far behind in that category. It's just like you can hit play next, and then you can't arrange anything. You like you can't see your sequence. I vaguely remember that. At least yeah, to, that's that I've funny. found. I mean, it is a pain yeah. in the butt. And how's so. how's Apple Music's group sessions? What do you mean? So, like, on Spotify, like, if Josh is playing something off of his speaker right now and me and him are on the same Wi-Fi network, I can just, like, join the speaker and then I can cue songs from my phone. He can cue songs from his phone. So we can, like, share the aux that way. I don't know if Apple Music even does that. I'm not a big tech person, but I didn't even know that existed. So it's pr- it's pretty new. It's been it's relatively maybe a new, year yeah. for Spotify. Or maybe and they've a tried longer. a couple of different methods, but um, yeah, now it's like no, it's been a couple of years now. Yeah, I guess it has been a couple of years because, but it's it's, it's a nice way to like if we're all sitting around hanging out drinking beer, like it's not like oh hey man, let me get your phone and pick a song. Like you can just go through your own library and be like oh I want to hear this and then just add it to the queue. But you have to be on the same Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi network. Yeah. And you're both connected to the same speaker? Uh, sorta, but like he would be the only one who's connected Bluetooth. So like if my phone rings, it wouldn't come through the speaker as if it would like if his phone rang, but like I really don't know how it works exactly. You're kinda but, like adding um, it onto their phone. Yeah, yeah you're kind of just like controlling their Spotify through your phone. Or uh, controlling the speaker. The queue. Uh, yeah. You're controlling the queue. So if I don't even I could be wrong. I didn't think you had to be on the same Wi Fi. So if if you were if you if there was a five of you in a car and you were road tripping somewhere, instead of just having the phone on the aux and passing it around to people, they can they scan a code 
and it'll invite them to the party party on their phone so they can send the backseat and just cue a song without even saying anything. I just think it's it's, it's so efficient. Yeah, That's it's really cool. nice. And nice. they're still ironing it out because I think it didn't used to be, but now I think it is Wi-Fi. Oh, uh, okay. So they're still like finalizing how to get it right, but it's a cool tool um, just for the social aspect of it. But yeah, I mean, I've, I'm a Spotify head for sure. Uh, maybe out of turn, but I don't even think the Apple Music has that. But that, that, is, that does sound pretty awesome. Spotify also has an AI DJ now. I don't I don't know if Apple has that yet. Yeah. Well, when I cycle back to the uh, the old student plan, I might have to switch it up. There, a you, go. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. The problem is my playlist isn't going to go over. I've got like thirty six hours worth of. I do think there's a way to there's a way to switch them. I don't know. If I think there's like a third party thing you can use to. It'll like. I've heard of something like this Where they before. can sort of just copy the playlist. Because that's the biggest thing for people is making the switch, whether you're going Spotify to Apple, having to move your playlist or vice versa. I hear that's a huge thing. But um, Yeah, especially 36 hours. That's tough. Can you unshare a playlist on Spotify? Yeah. So actually, we do a weekly playlist. It's called Good Radio. So we'll have you on it this week. We'll just need five songs from you. Yeah, you could just, I guess, just text them to yeah. Josh. And um, put them on. We'll throw them on there. But... That's what we do every week. So we invite the, our guest to collab, or every week we have a guest to collab, and then they'll throw five songs on there, and then the next week just take them off the playlist, and then that's that. Dude, that's another thing I've noticed. Apple Music is like, if I share with you a playlist, and then you know maybe something happened or whatever, I'm like, yeah, I don't want to share with them. Um, you can't unshare it, so they're just going to uh, see it, like whatever music you want to add. Or like maybe it's a one-time thing. Yeah. You're like, I'm going to send over some study music, and then you like, you know, you totally change trends, and you have ACDC on your study playlist, and you just switch and it they up. Keep yeah. it. They, unless, they unless just keep they going delete it. it. Yeah, they have to delete it. Yeah. So I essentially was taking playlists that I had shared and wanted to unshare and just deleting them, salvaged my losses uh, and just left it to them, made an entire new playlist and didn't share it uh, to whoever and went from there. Yeah, we'd say enough good things about Spotify on this podcast. They need to send us the Joe Rogan check. So y'all need a promo. It's coming soon. <laughs> maybe we'll maybe we'll start popping up on people's like suggested podcasts since we talk so nicely about them. Yeah. Let's hope so. Thank you everybody for tuning in. Yeah. Appreciate y'all having me on the Thanks for coming. Thanks, right. Jack, this was for fun. Coming. Yeah, this was cool. Good radio out. Oh, obviously out now by the time you're listening to this. <laughs> um, this is episode 29. 29. Damn. Marion Barber. <laughs> 29. Um, Boy, I had some hair, though. Yeah. Shout out, Marion Barber. Thank, oh. you. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, Yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, burnt out. I'm sorry. Um, Yeah, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We love you guys. Peace.